All right, everybody, we're back. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. RSL on a three-game win streak. Can they make it four in Vancouver? First MLS four-game win streak since June 2013, if it happens. Also, update on Demir Krylock's back. New signing, Diego Luna, acquired from USL side El Paso Locomotive. We'll talk about that. The fans continue to be incredible over at Rio Tinto Stadium. Six straight sellouts. Seventh almost guaranteed for June 18th against San Jose. And RSL, big summer of soccer at the Riot. You've got a Mexican exhibition game. You've got the U.S. women's national team game. And you have a ton of Real Salt Lake games. Can they stay at or near the top of the Supporters' Shield race with all these home games. We're going to talk about that and a lot, lot more coming up on the other side. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. Hey, guys. Uh, Ryan and I love bringing you this content uh, multiple times per week or per month, and we couldn't do it without Adam Sessions at OneWire. And we really want you to experience the level of customer service that Adam and all of his colleagues at OneWire provide their clients, their uh, business partners, their constituents. So um, if you're not a business owner, tell your boss to uh, uh, upgrade their voice and their business communications by going over to onewire.co and check out all the services uh, that OneWire has to offer. Adam's a big soccer fan. We've converted the whole office into uh, supporters of RSL. And um, we just ask that you, if you have any opportunity whatsoever uh, in your business, your family's business, um, or your, you know, in your circle of, of influence to uh, refer one wire because uh, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to handle all of your uh, voice communications and uh, other business uh, tech needs. So go over again to the number one wire.co and you can see the uh, depth and breadth of options available. So that's it for our proud partner, one wire. All right, Ryan, let's start looking back at that 3-0 win against Houston. Massive, massive win for RSL. That 2-0 lead, thanks to Sergio Cordova early in the second half, the first multiple-goal lead RSL has had over any opponent this season, which is a little surprising considering they're only four points behind LAFC in the Supporters' Shield race, but... Um, Obviously, a little bit of a different vibe. Riot sold out again. Um, it was a packed house on a holiday weekend. And uh, Bobby Wood got the early goal. Sergio Cordova, obviously, with the middle one. And then uh, Justin Glad uh, throwing the dagger out there in, in stoppage time. Uh, Glad and Cordova only score in the same games with each other. Glad, Cordova, and Wood now lead the team uh, with three goals apiece. They had all been tied with Tate Schmidt for two goals apiece going into this game. Uh, third straight win, um, which is great. There have been a handful of three-game win streaks um, in recent MLS seasons. But if this club can get a fourth Saturday in Vancouver, 
It'll be the first four-game win streak since June of 2013, if you can believe that. So um, a lot of opportunity going up into Vancouver prior to an international break that I think is very, very much needed for everybody's both mental and physical health uh, as we get into kind of the dog days of summer, which may not be so dog days because three of the next four coming out of Vancouver and I think five of the next seven, Ryan, are at home. An RSL 5-0-1, unbeaten at home. It ties the best ever start from 2010 and 2014, uh, having 25 points through 14 games. Also ties the best ever start this club has had. So uh, matching a lot of kind of all-time club records that have been established over the previous 18 years and a lot of opportunity to kind of shatter some of those records, both in the stands, on the field, and uh, the guys are getting healthy. We said this would happen, and Pablo now has real selection issues for who's going to dress each game. Uh, you've got Savarino back. Uh, he is going to Vancouver, which is great news. You've got uh, Anderson Julio, who is not going to go to Vancouver, but should be fully healthy for the June 18th game against San Jose. Uh, you've got the new player, Diego Luna, that we'll talk about, 18-year-old playmaker coming from the USL and the USA under-20s. He is now in the mix uh, for this weekend in Vancouver. Um, he might play for both RSL and the Monarchs this weekend. Who knows? Monarchs playing in Vancouver on Sunday evening. So, um, And then the last thing that we'll talk about today, after I get your thoughts on Vancouver, is uh, – Update on Demir Krylock's back. So you were in the stands with your family watching the game. What were your kind of takeaways on uh, Bobby Wood, Michael Chang with another game-winning assist? Uh, the team was was flying and creating a lot of opportunities and then got a nice little uh, jolt in the arm when Savarino came on in the final 20 minutes. Yeah, I loved it. It was uh, – brought some, brought some friends with us to the game too that hadn't been there since last season, I think. And then this is a – the reaction to being in that stadium right now when it's when it's rocking like that like when Cordova's goal went in there was that was as big as a reaction from you know it wasn't even a great goal necessarily I love an ugly goal um, and then talking about Severino coming in um, I was sitting in a section that isn't necessarily like the the supporter section but seeing everybody keyed in to Severino taking off his warm-ups and like like there was like a there was energy in that in the building from that. It was you love that. I mean, I was I was thinking like as I was happening, I'm like, has Severino ever had a reaction to him walking on a field like this ever anywhere he's been? I mean, it's special that that's happening to him in in Salt Lake. Yeah. And what a great thing to see um, Bobby Wood score a goal like that. Yeah. Um, Cordova like just his to work to effort to go into the you know that to build a goal out of nothing you know make it happen like that. And then obviously I love a center back goal. So <laughs> Justin Glad keeps going every week. I don't care. It's, I love those. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great to see those things. I was I was kind of when you when you were talking about the the list of uh, records that are being set. I was like the contrast of that being also against a, a game that had the first multi goal lead is kind of it's kind of crazy. Like yeah. so that means these are like gutted out wins. Every single one of them. These goals that we're watching are so like that's the kind of thing like come from behind, um, late in games, away games. Yeah. Like it's just these these are not like. Well, clearly this team finds a way to succeed, right? And like you said, some of these numbers contrast each other. So, um, you know, we've talked about the road woes, but they've been very good on the road, not just the, this year, but nine results in the last 13 road games. They've been horrible on turf, but they got the win in New England, 
that was a comeback win, like they had against Austin and um, like they had in Montreal. So this team just keeps finding a way. And and Savarino was the twenty seventh different player used by Pablo in fourteen games. Like that's that's a lot of squad rotation. Um, obviously necessitated by injuries more than international duty or suspensions or or even form. It's just kind of been next man up. Everybody's gotten a chance. We haven't even talked about. Michael Chang with five assists, four of them game winners, right? Uh, Jasper Loffelson continues to get that starting nod and looks really, really good in the midfield, uh, whether he's next to Scott Caldwell or Pablo Ruiz. Um, the back line is really, really solidifying in front of Zach McMath. Zach leads the league with 56 saves. Um, he's tied with the Toronto keeper. He has six shutouts, I think, this year. Is that right? Five, actually. Five shutouts in 14 games, which I think is as many shutouts as the team had all of last year. So uh, Glad, Silva, Herrera, and Brody really are coming together. I mean, Herrera's only been back um, for six weeks, which is hard to believe. It seems like he's been back there longer than that. So everything's coming together. You're getting, um, as Pablo has talked about over the last couple weeks, you're starting to see – guys really confident with the ball you're starting to see more possession and just more dangerous passing whether it's uh cutting through the lines whether it's over the top or you know in the lead up to bobby wood's goal i think matt doyle for mls wrote that there were 20 passes and some of them looked really simple kind of pinging around the back probing nothing super incisive until the end when bobby wood checks back into the midfield gets the ball whips it out to chang makes that far post run, and Chang finds him again. I mean, I can't say enough about Michael Chang. One goal, three assists in his last three games, all wins. And uh, he is just, you know, for a 31-year-old kind of journeyman from Cuba that that had to come through a couple years at the Monarchs to find a way here in MLS, and now people are saying, hey, when Savarino comes back, Maybe Miram goes to the bench and Chang stays in the starting lineup, right? Like these are the these are the decisions that Pablo Mastroeni now is going to have to make with Sergio uh, Cordova, Bobby Wood up top, Rubio Rubin right now is uh, with Guatemala, so we're all happy for him. But that's just another piece that has to fight for minutes. Um, whether you're at, talking about the strikers, the wingers, and now in the midfield, we've just added Diego Luna. Uh, 18-year-old playmaker, plays for the USA under-20 team, also eligible for Mexico. Um, but he's going to be the number 10 for the U.S. in the upcoming CONCACAF under-20 World Cup qualifying tournament, um, or for the Youth World Cup, I should say. And uh, Diego's looked really good his first couple days in training. He might even get a look in Vancouver, depending on the game state. But he gives Pablo another kind of attacking sub coming off the bench, and really the first real attacking kind of midfield sub that he's had this year because we've had wingers. But if you look at the midfield, Pablo Ruiz is the most attacking-oriented. Everton, Caldwell, even Jasper, and certainly Beasler are all much more uh, defensive-type players in the midfield. So um, as we get healthy, Eric Holt's going to go 90 minutes for for the Monarchs and their game in Vancouver Sunday night. Johnny Menendez is back, and he's almost ready to start fighting uh, for minutes in that bench uh, situation as well. So just a lot of um, 
I won't call it an embarrassment of riches yet because the cupboard has been so bare for Pablo due to injuries for, for most of the year. I mean, a hundred combined games have been lost due to injury suspension or national team duty this year uh, for this team and in the first 14 games. But the spirit is there. The fight is there. Obviously, guys keep finding a way. And I mean, what kind of story is Jasper Loffelson? What kind of story is Andrew Brody? What kind of story is uh, Michael Chang? Sergio Cordova has more goals um, in 13 games that he's played for us than he had in his last couple years in Germany. So, it's all about finding that confidence. Bobby Wood also three goals. Um, that's one more than he had all of last year. And obviously he started late. He had the transition with his uh, family, the birth of his child. He had his own injury issues, no preseason. He's a different player. Like his movement over the last couple games has been so dynamic and so agile. Um, I just think it's very exciting. There's part of me that doesn't want that momentum to get stopped by the international break, but Talking to the guys, uh, both physically but especially mentally, they've been grinding. They've been grinding since mid-January, and they are ready for a little bit of a break. And I think the coolest thing, Ryan, and we can talk about uh, more of the stadium atmosphere, the fan experience, and how the fan, how the players feed off of the fans, three of the next four, five of the next seven at home, you're not playing perennial playoff teams like you did – on the road to begin the season. You're at home. You've got confidence. You've got health. You've got new dynamic attacking pieces coming into the mix. This could be a really, really fun summer at Rio Tinto Stadium. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to a string of like positive results because I like that the energy kind of builds on itself. I think that we're, as a fan base, we do kind of, we jump off the edge real quick when things go bad. And we do have, we've had some things to like, scratch your heads about this this season specifically like New York I'm thinking like that's that was a tough one to like look at this like what's going on with this team but I do think that like the, the the turnaround the like the way that that this this fan base is responding to the team doing well it's like I've never felt it's such a positive vibe around RSL as I am right now uh, uh, at the game uh watching the the supporter section be as intense as I've ever seen it be like i'd like i was like wow this is starting to feel like uh one of those stadiums that we kind of envy when we see them on on tv it's like no this is a this is a loud intense invested like stadium of fans it's showing people are noticing like if you if you're on twitter people talking about it on twitter there's like fans or players are responding to like what it's like to play in salt lake right now it's it's a it's pretty amazing um a couple other things i wanted to just mention as we're talking about that uh Savarino ready to score off that off of the bench. Like I think his first touch was a day, it was a it was either a, it was either a shot or it was a pass across into the box. He's ready to go. Like that's what I'd like to see there. Um, Jesper Lafelson I think has been an incredible like his what he's doing right now is, yeah. is great. I was just explaining who he was to my friend who hadn't seen this team like play like you know this year yet. And I was like, no, he's like a college kid. Like, yeah. kid, like that's that's something to see him. Like uh, he's a little more mature than most because of his time in yeah, Germany. For sure. But still, but, but it's like I mean, this is like you don't see people come out of the draft and onto the field the way that he's kind of doing that right now. And then um, I think I was explaining to him. Uh, I was explaining to some people like too, like you know, Aaron Herrera is like Aaron Herrera is like national team caliber player. And I was like, then watching him play, and then I was like, keep you know, but then also saying pointing to like. Andrew Brody is the best player on the field at times. You're like, how does he never getting in the, the conversation? Yeah. Like that, that's one of those things that we're seeing. We're seeing like uh, performances by guys I like. I mean, and Justin Glad's having. A oh, Justin Glad, absolutely. Well. The Justin Glad Marcelo Silva pairing has been. Not to say that I have a 
I can tell you every single center back pairing in MLS, but like that's a that's a strong pairing as I've seen in a lot of places. And so then um, you always the Pablo Ruiz thing. We talk about that a lot here. And then just um, seeing what I mean. Here's another one. I don't want to give Dunny too much credit for this, but like if you go back and, and watch the um, if you have the game recorded and watch the the Bobby Wood goal, um, Dunny's take on that. He goes back. You know, he kind of go, he kind of maps out what happened, what Bobby Wood did to get to that position, and seeing the things that he does off the ball is what makes him a special player. And I think right. that that's one of those things too. It's like, we want to be, we want to be like paying attention to that because it is easy to like, you know, <laughs> get disappointed when Bobby Wood, you know, puts it over the crossbar or Cordova like takes a shot from too wide. But the things like watching our, watching these players combine and make those runs. And, you know, we do see, we're starting to see these things that, that this team is coalescing in a way that's uh, it's pretty special. Very, very special. Love to see. Again, we've talked about it all year. You hear it from Pablo. You hear it from Elliot. You hear it from the players about how tight-knit this locker room is, how they really do fight for each other, and they really have belief and confidence that the bottom, bottom guy on the roster, whoever that is, if they get thrown in, we've seen it with Bodie Davis. We've seen it with Pierre Reedy. We've seen it with Chris Cablan. Um We've seen it with pretty much everybody that's been eligible to play. They get thrown in the fire, and and they are able to succeed because of the guys around them. And um, it does sound cliche at times, but with the with the home game against Houston, I mean, Bobby Wood talked about it. Justin Glad talked about it. In addition to those guys fighting for each other and the confidence they feel, they really do feel that energy coming from the twelfth man in the stands and that's not just lip service i mean they are blown away that we have six straight sellouts they are blown away um how loud the things are and you know we've talked about that south end was amazing having uh those seats removed in the south end and barra rail moved in next to the other groups and kind of having a safe standing area which is a bit of a makeshift solution right now there's going to be a more permanent I think larger safe standing area for all the fans that want to participate, not just the supporter groups. Um, it's um, it, it's just it almost defies description, the, like the energy, but the fact that the guys keep feeling it and um, it's just fascinating to watch it happen. And like I alluded to before, I think as RSL gets into this rhythm of having. I mean, we're the last team in the league to have back-to-back home games on June 18th and 25th, and then we're going to have another set of back-to-backs uh, a, a little bit later after we have a midweek in Atlanta. We have a Sunday home game against Kansas City, which is really weird. I think it's only because both teams are playing uh, midweek on July 13th. We've got the Rocky Mountain Cup game on July 9th. We've got Pride and Fireworks on July on June 25th. So there's there's just a lot of opportunities, and summer games typically do well, right? People are coming out with their families. You got big groups with the company, and the fact that the team is flying high. And remember, we're not starting for with the same season ticket base we had back in the day when we were setting a lot of these attendance records. We're coming from 11, 11 and a half, 12,000 now compared to the 15 or 16,000 we were coming from before in 2013, 14, 15. So, um, Kudos to Matt Rader and the ticketing staff. Kudos to Tyler Gibbons and the marketing staff. I mean, the stadium looks great. The aesthetic pieces uh, that David Dryden has worked on to really make that place look like our home and to and to have it be um, 
claret and cobalt everywhere. I mean, whether it's internally or externally, whether it's banners or uh, cinder block and cement that's been painted, um, it's great to see the sponsor signage kind of embrace the team branding as well. So can't say enough great things. Yeah, we're sitting in a room that's uh, <laughs> that has the – the room that the players come and take their their intro shots in with the, the RSL stuff all over the wall, so it's tough to not like be feeling it <laughs> from every angle. Uh, another one thing, just to, to throw out uh, uh, something that I know has been in the works for a long time, is I was sitting in the stadium, looked up, and saw the TIFO cable strung across. The, that's uh, that's the cable that the uh, the sports groups are going to pull the TIFOs up onto at some point. I know that's been something that. We've been talking about for years at RSL, and it's finally happened. I couldn't believe it. So, so I'm so excited to see what the the supporters do with that. With that, when we see some gigantic, ten story TIFO, I don't think it's that big. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, it's it's being installed. I think part of the cable system and the motor is there. I don't know if it's gonna be ready by the 18th. So stay tuned on RSL socials. But, but seeing it in real life, I was like, I I don't know. Those are the little things. Like I I've been I've been in enough. I've walked around the stadium enough, and I've heard I've been. You know, I've heard about the planning. I've seen the plans of everything, and to see them actually come into fruition, like in real life, and like see, well, that does make a difference. Like these things that we've been pushing for for so long, it does make a difference. And I think that that's it's it's great to see that. It's also interesting to be having this conversation the same week that uh, well, today, like this is the day after the men's national team game against Morocco, and the big takeaway from that game has been Christian Pulisic being upset that there wasn't twenty thousand people in the stadium. Players do respond to that, and I think that like when you're saying, is there a difference in playing uh, in playing in the stadium that's full to, against a playing in a stadium that's like, you know, and big chunks of empty seats? I think that players playing in Salt Lake have been used to both of those. And I think that it really does make a difference. I think you're seeing it. Um, so we're getting to like, I think the thing that most people are tuning into today, Trey. I think that uh, we've got a little update on Demir, and uh, I wanted to know. Like, I'm just throw that in the middle here. I know we're gonna tease the end, but I know that most people that are listening to this show are, are really interested in what's going on with him. And I know there's been a recent development. So, yeah. So this morning, Thursday morning, uh, Demir had uh, what it's been termed to me a minor uh, procedure, a minor surgery on his back. Now. Part of me is like, well, there's no back surgery that is ever minor, but the surgeon told Demir, and this is one of the reasons Demir wanted to do it, is it's very simple. They go in, there's a piece of, of his disc that is floating in between the vertebra, and it's pressing on nerves. And because of that compression and irritation of the nerve, Demir is feeling kind of weakness along that path and that can be in his core and that can go all the way down to one of his calves we remember him getting kicked in the calf repeatedly in preseason I know he relayed to Dunny about getting a hard elbow in the back uh, in the New York game which was the last game he played and that seems to maybe have exacerbated the symptoms Demir has been working really really hard in the last six weeks since that New York game to try to just get his body right and ultimately I think he decided um, that he just wanted to get the surgery and and get it solved and have a recovery plan and work his butt off like he always does to try to get back out on the field at some point this season. And obviously, we won't know immediately. The surgery was just a few hours ago. We won't know yet when, you know, the prognosis could be multiple months. Um, but the team is obviously doing well without him. He's around the team a lot. He's still embracing his leadership role, even though we don't get to see him between the white lines for 90 minutes every Saturday night, which is disappointing. But um, 
everybody feels very good, I think, internally uh, on the medical staff about Demir's decision to get this done. And I'm going to read a quote here from um, our senior director of athlete uh, performance. His name is Theron Enns. We've had him here on the podcast, and uh, maybe we'll get him on again soon. But basically, Theron's statement is, while Demir's rehabilitation showed signs of progress, undergoing this minimally invasive procedure will give him the best opportunity for a successful long-term outcome. Uh, Theron has been involved in Major League Soccer for 25 years, so he has a lot of experience with this and other type of stuff. Um, a timeline for his return to the field will be determined later as Demir's rehabilitation progresses, but typically... These surgeries result in a full recovery for the athlete. It should come as no surprise to anyone that Demir works as hard off the field in rehab as he does on the field, and our staff will be with him every step of the way to assist. RSL will update his progress in the coming weeks. So I'm sure we'll hear Pablo and Elliot and others kind of regularly update um, uh, you know, his recovery and his rehab and his prognosis for, for a timeline. So... Um, I have communicated a little bit with Demir. In fact, I, I just got, uh, a text from him as we're sitting here recording. Let's see what he says. Um, he just says, thank you for the well wishes. It went great. And he's going to post something on his social for all the fans. So that's great news from Demir. And, um, and we're in, we're in great shape. Um, Obviously, it it sucks because I think we we're all hoping he'd be back any week. I know that's what he was hoping, but he does feel like he's got a little more definition now in what he needs to do to fully recover and put this uh, completely in the rearview mirror as opposed to having something like this uh, nagging him for the rest of this year or maybe into future years. Who knows? He's He is 33, which sounds maybe a little on the older end of the spectrum, but... He is in incredible shape. Nobody takes care of his body the way Demir does. Um, Pablo is constantly uh, pointing out to the younger guys, who, or even like he told Justin Miram last year, hey, you want to extend your career? Do what Demir does. Come in early, do the stretching, stay late, do the cold tubs and the hot tubs and all the different things to take care of your body. So I think everybody has the utmost confidence uh, that Demir – knows his body and when he says this is what he wanted to do to to tackle this once and for all you gotta you gotta trust him obviously hope nothing but the best for demir and hope that he gets back and recovers fully if not just only so that more fans can have one-on-one -on -one experiences meeting him and finding out what all of us who have talked to him before are always saying about how he's seriously the nicest guy i've ever met and uh i know i can i can never get enough of like you know anytime i hear anybody talk about their interaction with the mirror. It's like, it's so glowing. And then I feel like I got to throw my stories in there, but everybody has these stories. I hope that everybody gets to understand and know how special it is to have a guy like him, you know, here with this team and being a leader for these players. And I mean, I have no doubt that the, the, the things that we're seeing on the field right now, whether or not the Demir is on the field during these, you know, his last few games are, are definitely related to the things that he does with the players himself, you know, as like a, as a captain, as a presence in the locker room, and it just as a, as a friend of people. I think it, it it radiates and it makes people better. What a special thing it is to have a guy like him in Salt Lake. I just can't get over like. I, yeah, we're I, lucky to have him. He's going to be around for a long, long time, and and hopefully he is back as soon as uh, humanly possible to 
contribute on the field. Uh, speaking of uh, you know players on the field, I, we have had some a lot of movement still. A lot of things are happening. Um, we have some signings this week that we can talk about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, maybe we can talk about a little bit about that. I think uh, that on Twitter we see a lot of these things come out. Early, so a lot of people that have been paying attention have seen this announcement already. But RSL acquiring the 18-year-old uh, USA under 20 playmaker from the El Paso Locomotive, Diego Luna is now officially a member of Real Salt Lake. Uh, there was a transfer fee involved to El Paso. RSL also has to give some money, fifty thousand, in uh, general allocation money for the rights, or I should say, for the homegrown priority. Uh, slot for the right to to bring Luna into our fold. So he'll be uh, he's here. He's actually had a training session with the team. Uh, he might make the trip to Vancouver Saturday, which would be interesting. Um, if he doesn't play for RSL, he probably would play for the Monarchs this weekend. He and Haziel Orozco and Gavin Beavers will leave for the USA under 20 camp on Tuesday uh, to get ready for CONCACAF U-20 qualifying in um, uh, Honduras is where the tournament is. So um, exciting times. Everybody believes this is a guy who who just brings a little more um, flair to the midfield, uh, especially with, with Demir out and obviously Julio and Savarino uh, Cordova, everybody, those guys all kind of prefer to be out of the wing. Um, Miram obviously cuts inside as well, uh, but none of those guys are really true playmaker number 10 types that want to live and breathe in the center of the park, and that's what Diego Luna does. Now, what, what, one of the things I don't know is you know, how ready is he for MLS action because there are people that think he's been the best player in the USL this year, um, which is high praise for an 18-year-old because the USL is a very, very high level of professional soccer, uh, and it gets better and better every year, every week, every day. I mean, we've um, had some players that have had success moving up. Yeah, and I mean, if if there, with the last forty eight hours of rumors about him coming here, there have been some great pieces written by uh, Sean Walker over at Salt City FC. Uh, our good friend Landon Southwick had talked to um, some of his fellow USL announcers about Diego Luna. So if you just search his name on Twitter or YouTube, uh, or the internet, you can see some great different scouting breakdowns, some articles about him, but, um, whether it's Kurt Schmidt or Elliot Fall or Pablo Mastroeni, they really like the potential that this guy has. Uh, they do think he's ready. Apparently, according to Tom Bogert over at MLSsoccer.com, who, who broke the news in his article on, was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Uh, Tom did uh, reference that the Blitzer network of European clubs is something that um, is something that uh, was attractive to Diego, as well as kind of our track record of developing young players. Obviously, it, it seems like he must have heard good things about the club from from Haziel and some of the other guys uh, in our setup that he's played with at, at the U.S. under-17 and U.S. under-20 levels. So um, always exciting to have more uh, options in the attack, especially. And um, obviously when he gets back from the U-20 CONCACAF tournament is I think when we'll really be able to get a gauge on uh, what he can contribute to this team, not just uh, this year but also long-term. 
And a quick shout out to Derek Fox, who's in the front. Our boy. <laughs> yes. Derek Fox is the does PR for El Paso. He was here at RSL for a couple of years too. Um, speaking of uh, RSL connected front office people, uh, congrats to Dane Murphy and Tamo Rushdie. hundred percent. Nottingham Forest for uh, and Tim Weaver. Tim Weaver, yeah, Everybody's He's there. with those guys now. So I mean, those connections. I that, guess I finally have a Premier League team. Yeah, there you go. Nottingham yeah, Forest. Nottingham yeah. Forest. <laughs> it is. It is. It is crazy to see somebody that was walking around the halls here um, getting. Did you see that video of Dane getting? that that square full of people and they're shouting cheering for him i did not there's like a video that the day after must have been like their yeah i did see the celebration and and just just watching i mean dan's dan's a good guy but you know this is a guy who sat here in the training center where we're at and walked the halls at our cell and now he's getting a square full of fans you know cheering for him because he's the executive of the year or whatever for the the championship anyway yeah big big things is you see those things a lot of big you know very talented people come through these these halls that's for sure it's, it's great to see the success that uh that dane and tamor have had overseas first at barnsley i mean they got barnsley from the relegation battle to playing for a promotion uh in the championship last year they go over to Nottingham forest dane wins uh ceo of the year in the english football league and uh, and they win the richest game in, in football. Um, I think they did get the 60 million pound check the day after that game, if you can believe it. Um, they get, I think, initially over 150 million pounds, and then there's balloon payments and there's all other kinds of stuff. It's fascinating. That's a wild run. Um, and, and obviously they get, they get more uh, rewards if they are able to stay up uh, their first year up. So... Uh, those guys are hard at work right now trying to figure out what their roster is going to look like for the Premier League season. And, um, yeah, so we're all happy uh, for their success. We're happy for Rubio Rubin uh, getting his 2026 World Cup dream um, to help lead Guatemala. Uh, they start in the Nations League. He just went down for those training sessions uh, a couple days ago. So uh, we'll obviously miss him in Vancouver, but uh, hopefully he'll come back uh Full of, of confidence and ability, and and uh, and and ready to go uh, once representing his new national team. Yeah, speaking of Vancouver, that's our next the next stop for RSL. And if correct me if I'm wrong, this is the only MLS game in action this week, right? Yes. So other teams have taken the the first week of the, yeah. the international break, and then about half the league will play the week that we're off, and then roughly half the league isn't playing either of these two weeks, but. Uh, they'll, that just means they'll have more midweeks, either previously or later in the year. Um, and, you know, the thing about midweek games, it, it isn't just about having the players have to play three games in a week. For some clubs, it's about revenue because they just can't get crowds on a Wednesday night uh, that they can get on a Saturday or a Sunday. So those are all the things that go into the decisions. And and look, every team doesn't get a either play in the international break they want to play in or get the international break off that they want off. So um, as somebody noted earlier this week to me on Twitter, you know, we lost in Kansas City earlier this year on a on an international break. We're playing Vancouver during this international break. But I think ultimately it reduces the number of, of, of three-game weeks or Wednesday games that we would have to have. And, um you know, you just never know. If you're completely healthy, the three-game week doesn't probably bother you as much, especially if two of those three are at home. Um, you know, like 
July 9th, we're home against Colorado. July 13th, we're at Atlanta. July 17th, we're uh, back home against Kansas City. Um, you don't always love like having a long road trip in the middle of two home games. If you're healthy, you can deal with it. If you're not healthy, it's the worst thing in the world, and you don't know what you're going to be when those decisions are made. So um, you're you're a little bit at the mercy of of the schedule makers and the injury gods and all that uh, kind of stuff. But um, we'll find a way to get through it. And um, every other team has, you know, you have no choice. Yeah. All right. So looking at looking ahead to this weekend, Trey, what is a give me give me three of your what to watch for is what are you looking at this this weekend? As? You know, because of the break coming up after the game, I think that um, you hope that guys are locked and loaded for the game and aren't already kind of mentally drifting out on vacation. And that's in any sport when there's a getaway game. They talk about it in baseball a lot. Um, you just always worry about that because I, I do know the guys, the guys have been putting in an incredible amount of work for five months straight and um, they're ready for a break. You know, Pablo Mastroini's family, as I think everybody knows, still lives in Denver. His wife comes here a lot, but he's got two uh, teenage kids in high school. He'll only see them for the second time all year next week. So those things are hard and they create stress and they create, um, you know, everybody questions where their priorities are and what, you know, where their time goes. And, and it can be tough on an, on an athlete or a coaching staff or a front office staff as well. You know, we've, I think a lot of us that travel with the team, we feel like we've been living out of a suitcase and, you know, you can't even remember your hotel room number because you've got so many uh, random hotels kind of swirling through your brain. So to just have a, a, a little chance in the middle of the season uh, to take a mental reset, to get your body right, uh, to enjoy some time away. And then and then the guys are going to come back a full eight days before that San Jose game. And, and I know Pablo and the strength and conditioning guys are going to have them ready to go so that we can pick up right where we leave off and uh, and and I guess you know the other thing, what to watch for for me before we get to that opportunity for all that home dominance. If you can win this game in Vancouver or even get a draw, that's ten road results in fourteen road games. That's almost a full season of road games, and you're six four and four or five four and five. That would rank right up there with the best road campaigns this team has ever had. So to do that in the recent months under Pablo Mastroini is just very, very exciting. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Can't wait to see how uh, Jefferson Savarino leads us to a turf victory in Vancouver on Saturday. Maybe it's Bobby Wood. Maybe it's Sergio Cordova. Maybe it's... Michael Chang again. Maybe it's uh, Marcelo Silva. How many goals have we got from defenders this year, Ryan? We got we got three from Justin Glad, one from Silva, one from Brody, two from Schmidt, none from Herrera. I don't think any from the other center backs. And remember, our all-time greatest road victory is against Vancouver. It's four nothing at Rio Tinto Stadium when we were the visiting team. So maybe that doesn't count. But uh, exciting times. Thank you all for listening. Can't wait to have you guys get to know Diego Luna as we go forward this year. Obviously, we'll have Demir come on and explain his decision about the back surgery and uh, and why he thought that was the right course forward to, to get himself right for the long term. And then, um, obviously, we're going to keep things moving ahead for uh, a glut of home games this season starting June 18th against San Jose. As always... 
please reach out to us on social, either uh, at Rye Don't Know, at Three Fits SLC, at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We can't wait to uh, just keep bringing you all this content uh, each and every week. We appreciate your love and support of Real Salt Lake. We appreciate Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber for their support of this show. 